Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm your guys' host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. And today we have Rob Lay on the show. Rob and I talk about all sorts of stuff. The history of comic books. He has 30-plus years working in the industry. What it's like in that, seeing the evolution. Um, he gives some pretty good motivational things for you guys as well that are working in industry or want to work in the industry. So he gives some really good motivational and helpful tips and tricks for you guys. And uh, overall, it's just a really fun talk. So if you guys did enjoy it or do enjoy it, then be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to third-party apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, ComicChronicle.Podbean.com. Make sure you guys subscribe on there for new episodes, for guests, reviews, news, whatever it might be, anything comic book-related for you, you know? And if you want to follow me on social media in my animals-slash-nerdy adventures, uh, you can. I'm on Twitch for my video game stuff, Rex. 97 youtube dakota morgan for paleo content other nerdy video game stuff as well on youtube dakota morgan uh twitter at dakota morgan 3 and instagram at dakota underscore morgan 97 and that's where you guys can follow me so without further ado though instead of me rambling on as per usual let's get into my talk with rob i just it is the one that's given me the least amount of issues like i've Never had it all between doing auditions when I worked in the film industry and stuff. Like, is the one that's giving me the least amount of trouble, but I know it's older and people don't like it. That's fine. It's, you know, gives me a chance to learn something new. See, there you go. There you go. And um, I'd like to tell everybody on the podcast is uh, welcome to the show, Rob. It's an honor to have you here, good man. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, I uh, think you're taking the time too. You're in, uh, you said Dirty Jersey? Dirty Jersey, yep. Yeah. What's life like in Jersey right about now? <laughs> uh oh <laughs> oh no I'm, I'm born and bred and uh you know so nice. this is more of an accident of birth i'm not a i'm not a fan of the garden state i'm a mm. i'm more of a country mouse you know i'm here in the suburbs but uh it's a little uh it's a little congested here people wise yeah i kind of uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in phoenix okay. uh and there's it's a little bit of a uh, loop there. I think we're good. Um, yeah, I'm in Phoenix, and I was born and raised in Illinois for like 16 years. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I, I miss that. We've recently revisited, and I was like, boy, I miss the East Coast, Midwest stuff. Oh, boy, I'm, I've spent now 10 years here in Arizona, Yeah. and it's I'm 10 years too much in the heat. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is – I don't like it at all. Like, I miss the forest and going out and being able to – Maybe, you know, you got to drive half an hour to go to the store or something yeah. like that. Like, I missed that sort of thing. I really yeah, I'm, I'm an outdoorsy guy. So um, I like, you know, hiking, kayaking, canoeing, hunting, fishing, all that stuff. So that's yeah. my uh, that's my natural environment. You you came to the right podcast because yeah. I'm a big wildlife guy and big outdoor person, too. Actually, <laughs> it's like my main <laughs> jobs are like working with wildlife and stuff. Yeah, I checked out a couple of your uh, a couple of the podcasts, and I heard you're you, you're working with reptiles and yeah, yeah, reptiles um, at a zoo now doing stuff with hoofstock animals like rhinos and stuff. Oh, and yeah, yeah, and the other job is animal criminal investigation slash ambulance calls. So like I'm in an animal ambulance driving around town. Like yeah, man, it outside like I I look at office stuff and like I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. When you, you know, even like what I'm doing now, it kind of ruins you for, uh, for, for conventional office type work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I mean, but the the joke is like we love doing creative stuff though too. <laughs> that's like the that's like the thing. Like you work in comics, and then I got like, and I do the podcast, and I work in comics as well. And sometimes uh, when I can, and you know, we 
we do the creative work and sometimes we got to sit inside, but we're like, yeah, this is great. It's that like weird line when you're doing something on the computer, but it's actually really fun. But then you still do the outdoor stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, the, the job help lets, allows me to do the things outdoors. So. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I was like, oh, how? Like, oh, yeah, pay uh, the bills. Pays the, pays the bills so that yeah. I can, uh, yeah, I just bought some property up in the, um, where I'm building, going to be building a cabin, you know, so it's. Oh, wow, you're really going for it. I love that. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, so you're retiring to the cabin life? No, I mean, that'll be a, a little getaway place. Mm. Well, I can go there and, uh, you know, just get away. Still get, in Jersey? Get away states no i'm it's um up in the adirondacks oh shit wow okay look at you so how does a big outdoorsy guy kind of get in the comic so that's that's where i'm kind of curious on this well you know it's it's funny because you're saying how you know you work with with animals and as a kid like that was two of my my passions were was drawing and was was animals really yeah oh yeah wow so i mean have you ever been gotten a chance to combine both of them um, no, I don't think I'm trying to think professionally if I have, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, mm. I do wildlife photography as a, oh, nice. as a hobby. Yeah. Um, so that kind of melds the, the, uh, you know, my passion for the outdoors and for animals and for that artistic, um, aspect of my personality. Mm. But mm -hmm. I like keeping that as just a hobby. Sometimes you, uh, you if you monetize everything that you enjoy doing, you know, it, it kind of, it can take the starch out of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, then it becomes like a job, but then you're worrying about it's another level of stress. You're like, man, I did this shit so I can get out of stress. I didn't want to do it. I don't want to worry about that. You should be able to do some things just for the sake of the, uh, for its own enjoyment, just for its own fun. You know, exactly. It doesn't have to be a, a hustle. Yeah, that's it. I, I, that's a lot of business people right now listening to the podcast. Like you idiots, and they're like, no, no, no. Hey, hold no, on I mean, I'm believe me, I'm a I'm a businessman, you know, and I'm when it comes to my job, I'm I'm pure business. But um, but everything doesn't have to be business. Uh, that's true. I think that's how you live a happier life. One could say is like because you're able to be relaxing, you're able to have a relaxing time, you're able to enjoy things, like you're able to. You know, calm the brain and take five minutes, which I don't think a lot of people do these days anymore. Because as you said, yeah, everyone wants to monetize and do everything. And it, you hear it all of like, oh, you do a podcast. You should monetize. Like, I like just doing it. Can one just do that? Yeah, do and like, thing. Yeah, like, and pictures too. I'm with you in the photography. Every now and then I'm able to go outside and do some photography of like, um, of animals when I can or mm -hmm. when, uh, just taking a hike and, not now because it's a hundred and fucking two degrees outside, but <laughs> it's not it's not happening. That is definitely not happening. Um, but where did you like get in the comics? though? was it like you were doing artwork back in back when you were in with the love of animals? Was it like you were doing art and then you found comics? Or yeah, I just comics always work? I always liked to draw. Uh, it was just something that you know that came natural to me, and and that's how. Uh, and my my parents were always good about supporting me um with with that but that was also you know when i was a little kid and i was acting up i i didn't have to go sit in the corner mom would just take my crayons away from me you know oh wow <laughs> so, oh, wow but I, but I always got them back you know oh well yeah, um, yeah. when you're so, small it's easy to sneak your sneak in and get the stuff back yeah. i mean she was making a point you know she's a good mom um but uh it, yeah it uh 
I, I guess, I, I guess comics, you know, I guess maybe, well, children's books were probably like your, your, you know, picture books and things like that. Dr. Seuss are kind of your first introduction into, uh, into like juvenile art. And then, uh, but, but comic strips, comic strips were, were the gateway drug. Um, and especially being in the, in North Jersey, in the New York, New York metropolitan area, we had a, a number of newspapers. So, uh, you, you would get the comic strips every day and our, we, we'd get we, two or, I think we got one daily paper. We got two other papers that were a couple times a week. And then on Sundays after, uh, mom dragged me and my brother kicking and screaming at the church, mm-hmm. uh, we'd stop off at, a at like a, like a stationary store or a newsstand. Yeah. Uh, on the way home and with my dollar a week allowance uh i can get some comic books from the spinner rack but we had the um the new york daily news was there and on sundays that the, the comics were on the outside of the uh, of the newspaper that was the big selling point it was it was a big draw to get people uh, to buy the newspapers interesting so you and, said it was like a, it was around it so yeah it, it was, was like, okay. yeah it wasn't an insert it, it surrounded the, the paper was inserted into the comic section oh. the front page there was it was a um the, the daily news was a tabloid uh, as opposed to a broadsheet newspaper um kind of like i don't know like the new york post yeah 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 was and, it like what kind of strips were they though? Was it? I mean, mine was Garfield back in the day. Like, yeah, it was, always Garfield. Dick, it was always Dick Tracy on the front. Ah, there we go. And on the back was Dondi. Oh, that's yeah. a name I haven't heard of for a long time. Yeah, well, and and the guy who drew that, Erwin Hasten, was one of my teachers when I went later on when I went to the Cubert School. Oh wow! But there was um, yeah, Peanuts was a uh, mm. big one. Beetle Belly, uh, High and Lois, um, Lil Abner. Uh, the classics. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, classics. Yeah. Yeah, there were the there were the gag strips. There were the adventure strips like Prince Valiant, um, um, and there was like the puzzles, also in there. That was another thing my mom used to do when I was in in grammar school. Um, one one of the things on the on the Sunday funnies was a was a color by number, uh, puzzle, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so when I went to grammar school, we didn't have a dedicated cafeteria. It was a cafeteria. We called it the all-purpose room. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was like the gym. It was a, where you'd have assemblies. So half the school would be having lunch at one point, and the other half would be out in, in, in recess, and then you'd swap for the second half. But on days where it rained, um, you, you, they couldn't fit all the students in there, and nobody was going out to play. So you'd eat lunch in your classroom. And my in my lunchbox, my Snoopy lunchbox, mom would would tuck in the uh, she'd cut out the the puzzle, the color by number puzzle, and she um, saw which uh, there was colored pencils I was using then. She she would see which colored pencils you need, which specific colors, and she would supply them in the uh, in my lunchbox also. So I uh, oh wow yeah yeah she was really great about that. Um, but yeah, comics were, that was the gateway drug and, uh, and they were big then, you know, I, I haven't read comic strips in so long because they're just, they're postage stamps now. Yeah. They're, they're really small. I mean, there's, um, some of them now, 
Uh, I know Garfield does it with the creator, and who I'm trying to blank on, and I feel horrible for that. But uh, a few of them, Jim, with Dave. The, Jim, Jim Davis, here we go. And when uh, I know a few of them from back when, and there's people who do it, is uh, they have apps now. Uh, you can get a new phone or whatever, and the, the creators currently make the, their strip. So, like, they make a new strip every day. And oh, that's yeah. all, I've been doing that for Garfield for years now, and it's, it's great. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, yeah, some of them are doing it, and some people are doing recreations and whatnot of them. So they, they still live on, very much so. Uh, I don't I know they took out, when I was a kid, they uh, took out a bunch of the comic strips because the newspapers didn't want to pay for them anymore. Because yeah. that was like, it was like 2005 in my town in Illinois. And I remember, I'm like, where's my comic strips? Like, what is going on here? And I was like, Grandma and Grandpa's house. And they're like, well, you, we have to go to the big newspaper, like the, the big wig, like the yep. Chicago Tribune. And, you know, you can't get it from the local one anymore because the local papers don't can't afford to pay the comic artists anymore and the creators in order to have their strips. And I was like, oh, the news is worthless. Like, what is the newspaper? Uh, get out of here. It's like, yeah, Iraqi war, get out. <laughs> No, I don't worry about that. It was very competitive too, because they're exclusives. Um, yes, before, yes. before the syndicate started, a newspaper would have its own uh, strip artist on on staff, and if you wanted to read this strip, you'd have to buy this paper. And especially in the around the turn of the last century, yet Pulitzer and Hearst were the two big pub publishers in, uh, yeah, yeah. in the New York area. Um, and so they were they were each trying to poach each other's cartoonists because that was it was really uh, a sales driver for those newspapers. Um, you know, you have to remember that avenues of entertainment were there were there are few, you know, for the average person. Um, this is kind of pre-radio even, you know, certainly there was no television. Uh, not everybody could afford to go to the movies or to a show. So, the, you know, the, your options were limited. And um, and newspaper strips were uh, were a big part of that. And then eventually. It's crazy. Yeah. How many newspapers there actually was, too. Like, there yeah. are so many news. No, no, I don't think anyone talks about that. Because people are like, oh, newspapers back in the day. Like, no, there was a lot of different newspapers. <laughs> there was a lot of companies out there. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, in fact, my, my uncle was a newspaper man in the, uh, I guess in the fifties. And he, so he worked for New York, uh, journal American, which no longer exists. Um, but yeah, not only were there, were there a lot of newspapers, there were then a lot of editions throughout the day of, of a particular newspaper. So you'd have your morning edition, you'd have the, uh, the late edition and there'd be a few, you know, sports extra in the middle of the day there, there'd be, you know, you, you they could, conceivably be publishing three, four, five different editions of, of the paper throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the, like the, the, with the comic strips on there, it help. I mean, crosswords being a newspaper. Yep. I remember that was the big thing, too. They're like, my grandpa loved it. He's like, all right, you can take your comic strips. I'm taking the crosswords. And I'm like, all right, there we go. Glad we got a good deal. And what they used to do is there wasn't a comics page for the dailies. They would intersperse them throughout the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, mine was Sundays. Was when was it for you? Was it like a a certain day for you, is or was it kind of like every few days? Well, I mean, for for newspaper strips, you mean, or for comic yeah, well, or for comic strips in the newspaper? Yeah, well, on Sundays there there was the comic book, there was the comic section, but on on Mondays mm -hmm. through Saturdays those strips would be interspersed throughout the newspaper. There wouldn't be a, a single page, 
the idea was to get you to go through the newspaper. So you you would you know you're not just reading one page you know one page of comics and calling it a day. Yeah. If you if you're into the comics, you have to kind of navigate the whole newspaper. But the idea is also that you're going to look at the advertisers because they're running ads throughout the newspaper, and you're going to see those and hopefully buy their products. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until um, many many years later that uh, the the daily strips were run on a single page. Um, mm. Easier comic reading, but uh, it was counterproductive to what their their true purpose was was to get you the go throughout the whole paper and and uh, and support their sponsors. I've realized something is that for the younger audience, they've definitely tuned out, and they're like, "God, you two are old." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they really, they really are like, what is this like? It, All right, well, it, then we we can fast forward to the comic books. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. I appreciate this. Trust me, this this show has we've we've taken all sorts of conversations on this before. I mean, on the show, we really have. Um, yeah, I, it is it's just an interesting time to look at it, like the history with like print and comics in general, with comics, but like newspapers and all that sort of thing, like that. I'm I'm shocked there's not been like a big documentary on it yet. I, I really am. Yeah, yeah, it would be that would be a, a cool thing. It'd be nice to see Ken Burns do a. Ooh, that, stuff, you know. That would be pretty good. That'd be pretty good there. Uh, you mentioned in before, so you went to grammar school and to Kubrick school. Well, I went to grammar school like everybody does. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The, the word term grammar school is not a thing I'm used to anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what you call it. Primary school. I, I, here yeah. Was, the elementary. Grammar, school. Yeah. Elementary school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. I, there's like, you could definitely tell, like, I've been on the West Coast for too fucking long because no one here says grammar school. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a school just to learn grammar. It, no. <laughs> we, we learned I, other things. I, yeah. That tells you something. I, well, somebody, when I first moved here, Rob, I mean, let me tell you something, Rob. When the Midwestern kid coming out of junior, I moved in my, I was a, just started junior in high school and I moved on here. There were things I would say that people were so confused. They thought it was from a different country. Like, it was the craziest thing. And I would say things like, um, there was a, I say pop instead of soda. Yeah, uh, you'd get beat up for that here. Oh, really? <laughs> oh I know. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I said it once to a guy, and he he looked. Oh, he I don't know if he was from the Jersey or what. I was working at Dunkin' Donuts, and I was like, oh, do you? He just got some food, and I was in high school still, just trying to get cash or whatever. And and I'm like, oh, do you want a coffee? Do you want a pop with that? And I just immediately. He looked at me, and he's like, "What'd you say to me?" He starts cussing me out. I can't believe you told me that. Oh, uh, sir! I just said pop. Like you, you would have thought like I told him that I murdered his kids. Well, you like, thought so you, you wanted to give him a pop in the head. I, it, you know what? <laughs> That's true. I never thought about that. You want well, You want a soda? You, you or you want a punch in the face? <laughs> you know. I, Rob, you have enlightened my brain. I never, I never put it into that in terms. And I pointed over. I'm like a soda. It took. It was a good couple minutes. I'm like a soda, and he's like, oh. Like, yeah, like a Coke or a Pepsi or what do you want anything like that with your food? Yep, those those regional things that'll get you in trouble. Yep, yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently. So uh, you so you said you went to the Kubrick school. So what was what was kind of that like? Because I've had a couple of people on that have went to Kubrick school before and they've had nothing but stellar reviews. Yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. I went twice. So Ooh, I, wow, okay. I went right after high school. 
um, in uh, 82. Um, and this is before it's in the building that it is now. Um, it was at, at this old mansion, this Victorian mansion. And uh, I remember going there for the interview and, and, and Joe was, uh, you, at that point, you'd be interviewed by Joe Kubert himself. It was a much smaller uh, scale than, than it's grown to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he was hesitant about bringing in guys right after high school um, because it, it, it's an intense workload. And he wasn't sure that uh, guys right out of high school had the the ma- maturity to uh, to do that. And in my case, he was certainly right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I did it for a year, and uh, and I finished a year, and I finished it with you know with with okay grades, um, but I didn't come back. And uh, oh. yeah, so I did. I worked as a store detective for a few years, and then I ran in, into. I was at a at a party, and I ran into a a guy who was one of my classmates at, at the Cubert school and he was working at an ad agency and he, he was the art department and uh, he hadn't had a vacation in three years because there was nobody else to, to do the workload. So um, I knew I didn't want to chase after shoplifters for the rest of my life. It was fun, uh, but it, it certainly wasn't a career for me. And uh, he said, what do you think about working at this ad agency? And I said, yeah, I'd be interested. So I, on my days off, uh, from, uh, from being a, a plain clothes guy going after the bad guys, I would go to the, to the ad agency and he'd kind of showed me the ropes. And after a couple of weeks of that, I put my notice in and the first day that I started at the ad agency, he, he took a two week vacation. So <laughs> You know, it was up to, I, I had, it was sink or swim. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was, the money stank, but, um, it was, it was a good learning experience because we did everything from concept to camera ready. So we were doing layouts, he and I, and we were two kids. We were, um, I was, we were both barely out of our teens. I think we were 20 when we were, he, he started in his teens. I was 20 when I started there. And, uh, so we're, we're doing the layouts We're uh, we're, we're doing the mechanicals, the typesetting, the, the camera work, um, illustrations. I, I was writing copy. Uh, you, you were know, doing everything, really. Yeah, yeah. You, you literally were doing everything. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I did that for a couple years, and I realized uh, I, I wasn't going to – there wasn't too much further to go there. Um, and I wanted more money. So I, was deci- I decided to go back to the Kubert School. But I figured, let me just ask for a big raise, and I did. And they, uh, the VP of the company, said they couldn't afford it. So I said, fine. I put my notice in, and I went back to the Cubert School. Um, and uh, I had interviewed with Joe again, and he said, do you want to start in your first year? He said, you passed. Uh, and I said, Joe, it's been five years. You know, uh, I'd rather start from scratch. So uh, I did. So I did. Uh, the three three years. So I I'm one I probably the only guy who who did four years at a, at a three year school. Um, I'd have to put money on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I I you know I never do anything conventionally. I guess. Um, but it was it was the right decision, and uh, it was it, it was a great learning experience. So I had great teachers. Joe obviously was one of our teachers. Um, we had a uh, 
guys that were doing comic strips. Uh, High Eisman was drawing um, Popeye and uh, the Cats and Jammer kids. Wow. Uh, High's still around. He, I think he just turned 96. Get out, really? Yeah, he only retired from the Cats and Jammer kids, uh, kids uh, strip, I think, like two years ago. Oh, um, that's some love to what you do right there. Yeah, I love that. And he, and he taught lettering, and he was, but he was a tremendous artist. Uh, we also had Erwin um, Hasten, who drew the Dondi strip. Erwin also was a Golden Age comic book uh, artist, uh, working on the Green, I think, Green Lantern and and Wildcat. Uh, Tex Blazell was a uh, was one of our teachers. Uh, Tex was he 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 did the Little Orphan Annie strip. Um, after the original uh, artist passed away. Uh, he also worked with um, Hal Foster on the Prince Valiant strip, and he, he inked for comic books. Uh, he was a tremendous artist, a real character. Um, well, so you you got taught by some big wigs, Rob. Yeah. You really were. You really were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and these were guys that, um, I mean, Joe was working in the, I think around 1940, he started as, as a, he was a child. He was, Joe was born in 26. So he was 12, 13, 14 years old when he started working for the studios, for the, for the comic book studios. Yeah, he was, I remember hearing uh, when I like, I looked in the Joe and Bill is like looking at the like history of him and stuff like that too a while back so i was like he's got a fascinating like comics history and, and went to school and was curious about that yeah he did start young like he's he's sort of very young which i think a lot of people back then started pretty young yeah it was well there was no working papers needed back then and uh he was <laughs> from an immigrant family from from poland um and i'm sure money was an issue so oh, you, yeah. you went out and, and you worked you know yeah. you went to school and you worked um, and Joe was a super intelligent guy, super talented, um, great attitude, great work ethic, really, and really loved teaching. Um, and he, he, he had all this, all this experience and he really wanted to share it. He was very generous with that. And he was generous with his time. Um, and, and as an artist, I don't think he ever lost a step up until the day he died. He was still, um, turning out quality work. You know, he just didn't have that fall off that a lot of it happens, you know, to everybody or to most people anyway. As, yeah. Yeah. You hit a certain age and you're like, well, I mean, I don't feel like doing it anymore. You know, you get up, you're just tired and that's that sort of thing. And, you know, just you don't create as much. I mean, or the you see level diminishes, you know, but it did. Yeah, yeah. He just he just had that passion where and it just kind of I guess it fueled him. Don't you aspire to be that though? Like, cause yeah. I, I, I really do too. I'm, I'm people are like, you should plan to retire. I'm like, there's no retiring in any of the jobs I do in media in comics. And there's also like working with animals. There's no such thing as retirement. You work till you go. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope to retire someday. Oh, uh, that's right. I mean, you're, or, you're on your way. You got a cabin being built. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be building it. But, um, uh, you know, I, I have, I, I, as I said, I, I treat my, my, my work in comics as a business. So I, yeah, I do have a retirement fund um, because you have to, you can't, you, I, I've said this to many people, you can't plan to work until you drop because that's out of your, out of your hands. You know, you can have a stroke tomorrow and then what, and then you can live for another 30 years, you know? So there are things that are beyond your control. So 
um, you you do have to plan. Uh, even artists have to plan. Right, commercial artists are business people. Um, that's my cat in the background. <laughs> You're totally fine. I got two that are being somehow quiet right now. It's weird. Yeah, you got you got to you got to plan for your future, and that's that's one of the things I I say when I'm when I'm bidding on jobs. You know, I'm not just getting money for today. I'm getting money for the needs that I have, my bills, my you know mortgages, things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. The little extras, but I, but you know, future Rob wants to eat too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, you know, future Rob matters. You know, past Rob, we don't talk about that guy. Future and, Rob, though, we, yeah, you know, yeah. all right. <laughs> and uh, and Joe got that. That's why we we did have classes about business, um, with you know the business of art. They were, you know, fairly rudimentary, but um, Joe was a tr- he was a tremendous businessman also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to have a school in that, yeah, you have to be in order to be. And I think to make it as an artist, specifically as an artist, you really have to include a lot of business into it. I don't know if a lot of people ever realize that today. Um, I mean, you do, obviously, you do. And as you mentioned, you have to. But there's a lot of artists that I know that don't incorporate the business side to it. They're like, oh, I'm just going to create art. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to be able to hustle. You have to be able to do business with it. Because otherwise, it, it can't, can't go nowhere. You, know, you, you have to be able to have a business side to it. Yeah. And it's it's a battle because, in general, it's against our nature as artists. That's true. <laughs> but yeah. but it's, it's commercial art. The first word is commercial, you know. Mm. And so you have to... You you have to develop that muscle as well. If you don't, your you, people will take advantage of you, um, and you'll you'll put yourself in a bad situation. So, yeah, you have to you have to promote yourself. You you know a lot of artists are are, are shy, um, but you do have to kind of be your own advocate. Yeah, I mean, uh, people listening, you should definitely listen to Rob. <laughs> He's definitely done this a bit a little little while here, so. Uh, you definitely are coming and giving some really good advice though here because and it's stuff that people do need to hear because and there's a lot of artists that listen to the show uh so every now and then they make fan art so it's always interesting to see but you know it, it's the big part about it is i think guys like you rob are like the ones who artists should look up to to say hey you know you've been around the block you've seen this stuff for a long time i mean shit how long have you been working in comics like a little, a little over 30 years 30 yeah 30 years that's a lot of experience 30 years yeah yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yeah, I got the <laughs> feel the exhaustion in that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got the battle scars to show it too. Yeah, uh, I felt the thirty years in that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I mean, in thirty years though, man. I so you definitely seen it all, painted it all. I mean, and you want to keep going though, right? Like that's the big thing about it too. Is that people is you definitely want to keep going? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah good. Good. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, the, and in those 30 years, I've probably, I, boy, I think we've seen a lot of innovations and a lot of changes, probably in those, in those 30 years, maybe than any other stretch of that same duration. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the way art's done or like in, in the way like Everything. artists work? Yeah. That's in the true. way art's done, the way the companies are structured, the, the, the events that have happened at comics. So I came in when, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, during the death of Superman for DC, after when, when I first started working at DC, so that was that was going on. The Image Boys were starting. Um, Malibu Comics uh, was happening. Then the uh, you had the Distributor Wars, 
with uh, oh, yeah. Diamond. Uh, there was Capital and Heroes World were the three big ones. You know, there, there was a lot going on. And then all the events that have happened in the years since then. That's uh, that's true. I mean, it is. It it goes back to what we were talking about in the past, like ten years alone. Look at the tech and, and everything that's been advanced. Like, and it is true when you take a step back and look at comic books in in general. People like, oh, those are the nerdy books. But if you take a look at the history of comic books, you're right. In thirty years, oh my god, it's that's a movie. Like, you could probably make a good movie of like the history of comics, and yeah. it would be very. You'd have so many twists and turns, ups and downs, positivity, negative. You'd see it all. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, when I started in at DC in uh, I guess '92, um, comic books were pretty much being made the same way that they had been made since the the late '30s, early '40s. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was done on the boards. Uh, Richard Starkins was just starting to uh, to do digital lettering, but he was printing out on this crack and peel stuff and then sticking it on. Um, but lettering was done on the boards. Um, colors, colorists were doing color guides, and then it would go to a separate color separator. Um, wow. They weren't doing their own seps like they do now. Yeah, these books were, we, we had, I remember... Uh, working in the bullpen and you'd have guys like Murphy Anderson, who was a, who was a big, um, golden age and silver age, uh, artist. Um, after he stopped doing that, he had, he was one of our color separators. And so Murphy would come there along with the other, uh, representatives from the different companies. And at the end of the day, they'd pick up the, the books and, uh, and bring them to their studios to do the color steps, which were done a lot of the old way they were still cutting rubies at times oh shit. Uh, we had stuff that was sent to uh uh to ireland there was we had one of our uh color separators were over there and different places in the midwest and they were just starting to do um digital uh photo steps or, or, or uh, color steps at that time so it was wow. really the dawn of that um so yeah it's it's a different world now i mean is there i we looking at it like it's even weird to think about i mean is there even a bullpen anymore because like, i i'd I think most people just work from home or well, maybe they go to a studio but is you'd know better than me i mean is is there still a thing um i i believe so i believe the pr- is production departments departments are primarily still a bullpen situation um okay. with with the pandemic i know people are kind of scattered now so i think it's kind of a hybrid maybe they're working in the in the uh in the office um and 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 at home but when i when i talk about the bullpen i'm talking about the production uh people the artists generally did not work in uh you know for dc for marvel at their at their offices uh that like the marvel bullpen as we as fans thought it was where you got Neil Adams and Roy Thomas and, you know, everybody just sitting there in one big room working. That that was a fiction that Stan Lee created um, because it, it kind of helped us, I guess, identify with them as, uh, as, as fans. And, it, it, you know, it was, a, it was a more of a marketing thing. But the production was, uh, was, was done in-house generally. Okay. All right. I, it's, it's just... I still want that movie though. I really do, Rob. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, uh, there is. Um, did you ever watch the documentary on Image? 
recently that came out a couple years ago? No. It's it's fascinating. It, they did such a good job on it. Um, there's been a couple of comic documentaries. I interviewed a guy a while back. It was a My Comic Shop documentary. And it's on Amazon Prime right now, and it ta- it talks about like the rise of comic book stores, what it's like, the fall of them, and it came out right th- before they all shut down for a little while in 2020. Wow. So, it, and so it was that was helped kept a, it kept a lot of stores alive because people saw that documentary and they're like, oh, it's really rough running a comic book store. And so it, it was a comic documentary that actually saved a lot of stores because people were like, oh, we need to go, like, oh, we you can do curbside, go to curbside, like help people out here. Uh, it's my comic shop documentary on Amazon. Really worth the time. The guy who put it together is really awesome, and he tr- he went to like everybody. Like he went to like the ones in L.A. that are run by big. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on who runs it, but there's that L.A. comic book store that's run by that big time musician. Oh, well, yeah, it's like oh, like an iconic one too. And I'm like Rolling Stones. I think it's one of the Rolling Stones. Is that I right? Think? Yeah, something like I'd give it a Google, like a comic shop owned by a famous musician. And it's some it's a Rolling Stones or it's not ACDC or anything like that. But it's somewhere along those big wigs. Uh, it's like the drummer. I think it was. He runs a comic shop down there. And like, the Stones because uh, Charlie that, is dead. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know who it was, but it's it's some big, big like you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that band member. All right. Or that band. Um but that do- documentary itself, like, was really good. But if you do want, like, in the past 30 years of comics, like, from the beginning, like, we were talking about newspapers and then going down to now, oh, that's a, that's a good three hours right there, but well worth it. Yeah, you know, a lot of these guys, so when I was growing up reading comics in the 70s, um, you were just starting to see artists that had grown up in comics themselves and came into the profession as fans first but prior to that um most most of the men and i say men because it was predominantly a a male uh, driven business um were reluctant comic book artists they wanted to either be illustrators or work for or work on comic strips which was where the money was Mm -hmm. or uh or the ad agencies and they kind of took on this this crude uh medium um but they were they were supporting their families you know that's they they were artists um but they they needed to put uh, meat on the table and uh, i guess around the 70s thereabouts you started seeing that generation where they where the fans are now the uh the people creating the comics which adds a little bit of different priority to it, almost in a way. When you get fans at work on things, you notice it. Like you tend to notice there's a little bit of difference to it, I think. When compared to someone who's like, I don't know about this, but I'll try to work on it. But if someone's been a fan of it for a while, even like a mediocre fan, you tend to feel it in their work, I think, a little bit. I, I think so. I mean, for, for good or for bad. I mean, there, yeah, that's true. There, there are <laughs> yeah. pros and cons. Um, Sometimes there, there's an old saying that the uh, the first story you would you you would write as a as a fan should be the last story you would write as a professional, um, oh. because your comic comic books, especially superhero comic books, are a big wish fulfillment uh, mm-hmm. fantasy, and and it's it's it was it was uh, attractive to a lot of people because they couldn't do these things, you know, they weren't going to be the strongest guy or, or they weren't going to get the girl, but the guy in the comic book could, 
Yeah. Um, they would give him these weaknesses. So they, they made him identifiable with the, uh, uh, w- with the readership. And then when you're a fan writing that, I so, said, well, let, let's, let's him have him have all these powers and get the girl and get rich because that's what I would want. And, and you kind of, you steal away a little bit of that, uh, that little spark that, um, that made it identifiable to the readers because the, the readers are also getting older. You, you have to remember in the early days uh, and when, and even, you know, when I was growing up, um, th- there was a turnover. You were, you were supposed to read comic books, I don't know, maybe five years and then move on to something else, move on to, you know, prose, right? Regular books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you weren't for the most part, um, weren't seeing 30, 40, 50, 60 year old people reading comic books. You know, it, it was, it was a children's medium, <clears throat> which isn't, excuse me, which isn't a, a pejorative. It, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But with, when, when fans are now the creators, uh, they, sometimes they write for themselves, you know, instead of, instead of for the audience. That, yeah, you do see that too. You do see that too. And that, you're absolutely right. There was that time period. I mean, I had that growing up, even at 26, there was that growing up before the Marvel movies were a big thing. Like people in the nineties were like all these comic books and stuff. And, you know, we had the, the, they were, that was beginning of it a little bit, but, uh, in two thousands when I, it it was like, you'd get really ridiculed if you're like, I like comic books and you're in like middle school, even middle school for me, it was. And and when I hit high school and people like you read comics, yeah. But when the Avengers movie started coming out, the next thing you know, everyone's like, oh, we're big fans. And I remember it was like uh, someone said the other day was like the last I was I'm part of the last generation where that was like being a comic book fan past a certain age. Right. Wasn't right okay. Yeah. And I'm, I, and it's true because I look upon it and I look at kids. I'm like, oh, you lucky SOBs. I, I remember like if I was you, oh, they'd be giving ridicule. People like walking me Avengers and like, what? and I'm like, what? I'm just trying to read a book. Like, that's all yeah, I'm trying I, to do here. Oh, it was really – oh, and combine upon it being an animal guy after that certain age and also dinosaur fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was not raking in a lot of girlfriends, to say the least. Well, <laughs> I, rem- I remember when I was in sixth grade, my mom got me this uh, Captain America T-shirt. Oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> so, oh, no. And, and there was no way in hell I was going to wear that to school. She said, well, how come you don't wear that to, to yeah. class? I get the shit kicked out of me, Ma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to come up with the best excuse of, like, I'm very patriotic. I'm supporting America, guys. And it's uh, Cat's Captain it's America block. shield. No. Oh, no. I would, I'd be shoved into a locker. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And even I remember in high school going to that same newsstand to buy, you know, looking at the same two rusty spinner racks by this time. And if somebody walked in that you knew, it's like you look over. No, I was, I was looking at the porn over here. I wasn't going to be I was <laughs> something age appropriate there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> oh, God. You're like, hey, look at the rack on that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rack. And you're like, no, I'm not looking at comics. No, I'm looking at the yeah. magazines. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the Time magazine right there. Ah, the news. Yeah. Did you hear about the war going on? What? <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, it's it's definitely that was an interesting time. I I really really do. And I just I look upon it now like yeah, it's kind of nice. It, it is pretty nice to be able to see it, and it is a, a little bit now like you see the all ages. Like whenever I go to my comic book store, like you see 
all different types of folks and it's always really it's really cool and it's really nice and i think and, and the cool part is too is uh doing this show is i've been able to talk to people like you and been able to talk to people who are newer in the business as well and you know, folks all different, young older like i've talked to people younger than me that are working at marvel uh, how the hell do you do oh, yeah. that yeah. but you know and you have such a diversity i think in in uh in comics these days it's crazy yeah, I mean, awesome. one of my editors is uh, is Joe Kubert's granddaughter. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, Katie. Oh, wow. She's a, she's a wonderful editor. But I mean, I, wow. Does that make you feel young, Rob? Or uh, well, I know I look at I feel young until I look walk past the mirror. Oh, <laughs> there you go. That's a good. That's a good quote. That's a t-shirt quote right there. Uh, man, I mean, you know, kind of we've going out of like forty two minutes now too. I mean, one of the big things is I know people are be a little bit curious about. I kind of curious too is. You know, taking a look at your career, you've been in it 30 years. I, is there a certain series or characters that you look upon it like, I loved doing that? Or is there kind of like, you know, they all kind of are the same. I was working upon it. but Or is there some that actually do stick out a little bit to you? Yeah, I mean, for, certainly there's ones that stick out. So I started, I started in the bullpen, and then I became an anchor. So I was an anchor for about 11 years before I went into a, became a letterer. The underrated job, by the way. You guys deserve so much more credit. For uh, lettering? Lettering and inking, yeah, all of that stuff. So the, the, all the extra jobs in there for people that don't know about it. They're like, oh, it's all writers and artists. Like, wait, no, there's like six of the people that are working on this thing too that deserve the credit. Well, yeah, I mean, I detonated my hand from inking, um, so oh, I, oh. I, I've got nerve damage. So I I hold the brush now, and uh, in 15 minutes, I'm numb from my elbow to my fingertips. So oh, that's when wow. I I went into uh into digital lettering, but it, it worked out. It, it worked. It really worked out. I was a middle of the pack anchor but i think i'm a i'm a pretty good letterer but um but in those the projects over the years like wednesday's comics you know we were i don't know if you're familiar with that yeah yeah okay so that that, that kind of scratched that itch that i want to be a, a comic strip artist um when we did the uh, wednesday's comics as as a big broadsheet uh that was a lot of fun working on that um i had a about a hundred issue run Without interruption of uh, Jonah Hex, that was a an achievement. Yeah, that's I'm proud of. I've done uh, about a hundred issues each of Action Comics of, uh, of um, Superman. Um, I've had some. I've I've been the regular letterer on just about every flagship character and team for DC. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I've, I've really been fortunate. I've been fortunate that I've been steadily employed. Um, and now, um, there, there comes a point where the projects themselves that you work on to me, aren't as important as the people that I work with. Mm. Um, so I've been asked like, what would you like to work on? And I said, well, it's, you know, it's not so much that it's like, I like working with, with solid people that I, that I really get along with, you know, that I gel with. Uh, and that that's a that becomes re rewarding in its own way. So you know when I'm working with guys like Jeff Johns and Gary Franks and Kelly Jones, Pete Tomasi, um, you know these are people that I that that I like, and uh, and and that's fun, you know. With, that with, almost matters more than the work. It's yeah. than what the character is you're working on because like, you could work on as many you've done like all the characters, but now you're like. The people matter. Like if if you have like a bad team, it shows. But like you want to work with the good people that are nice and you know they're actually dedicated and want to work hard and you get along with. Yeah, I mean, and for the most part, the people that I've worked with over the course of my career are 
are pretty solid people. Um, but you know, some people you just click with. Yeah. 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 When you get to, to work with them, there's, uh, editors that I've worked with in, in my DC back when they were at DC that have gone on to different companies that I, so I still get to work with them. Cause I really, I really like working with them. like, uh, Chris Duffy, who, when I, I did a run with the, uh, on SpongeBob comics until that, um, ended, mm-hmm. he was a Superman editor that I met almost 30 years ago at DC. And now he and I are working on some projects for union square kids. Oh, it's like a, 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 a younger, uh, audience, uh, graphic mm-hmm. novels. Um, and, uh, Scott Peterson, who was a, a former Batman editor, um, that I'm working with. I, I worked with, with projects on the side. Um, who else? Uh, Jordan Gorfink was another former Batman editor. Now he, Jordan is, um, it has ties with this Israeli publisher where he's doing uh, works about his religion in in a uh, graphic novel form. Oh wow! Okay. So he and I are are, are working on that stuff, and uh, you know, so now that educates me too, you know. Mm. Uh, and I like working with Gorf. Um, uh, but yeah, there's it's a it's a small industry, you know. Yeah. And, you know, these you start to see the same faces, in yes. in, a, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, definitely in a good way. I mean, and if you're seeing them over and over again, too, that it definitely means like, you know, you're in the right place, you're right with the right people, you know, you're, you're doing what you can. I mean, you name drop so many big people there, too. <laughs> like, And it's good to hear that they're all like really good people. Like, and that's what a lot of people don't really know is like, like, what are the people like behind the scenes and working on this? Stuff? Like, no, they're, they're pretty awesome folks. And yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few people, you know, I can take or leave, but yeah, there's always the bad well, apples. But that's right. That's, that's, that's life. But I would say overall in comics, you're, you're, you're dealing with some pretty nice people. That's because I think, uh, and it's one of the reasons why I love working in the creative field too, is we want to be there. Like, when you're working in the creative, it's not like a lot of other jobs that you go to where, you know, people like, I'm just here for the money or whatever the hell. You know, a lot of people want to be there in the creative field. I'd say a good 95% of them, people who work hard, they want to be there, they want to create, they want to do whatever it is, whether it's writing, artists, uh, hell, even in the film industry with camera folk and stuff like that. They want to be there. And, and they, good. Oh, I was just going to say, like, that's, that's like the big thing about it. And it's dedication and it's love. And they want to work with the same people too. Like they want to be around the same people that want to be there and work hard and create. Well, it's, you know, it's dedication to the, to the art form, but it's also dedication to the people because you are a team. It's a, this is a collaborative effort. So you want to, um, you don't want to let other people down that you're working with. You know, they're, it's, it's so much more fun when everybody's, got each other's back and they're you know you, you get a script i'm like wow this is a tremendous script look at this this wonderful artwork you know i'm not gonna i don't want to be the guy who drops the baton no no <laughs> no not at all you want to keep up which is a testament to yourself too of like i don't want to be the bad one you want to keep working so you don't let everybody down like that's teamwork right there that's absolutely sure yeah it is it is a team you know for yeah. <laughs> for a group of people for mostly who don't like sports you know <laughs> We're, uh, I'm the exception, but, um, we're, uh, yeah, it's a team and it's, it's, it's a team endeavor and yeah. it's always better when everybody's pulling their own weight, you know, you push each other. Yeah, exactly. When you have a good team, like you, anything's possible when you're so low, it's things are kind of a little bit rough and you know, you can go so far, but when you have a good team together on a, a project or whatever it is, 
that's definitely going to push you to some really good places. Yeah, and trust me, there's days when my wife comes home from work and I'm just barking at her from what I'm dealing with today or I want to go down in the basement and just beat a pipe with a wrench until I... <laughs> <laughs> until I yeah, oh, I feel that. Yeah, oh, I get it. <laughs> my girlfriend would say the same thing. She, she hears all this stuff. She's like, can you be telling me this? I'm like, it's criminal investigations. Just don't post about it on Facebook. <laughs> but listen here, this asshole... <laughs> I, yeah, it's the whole thing. It's yeah, we we all have those days. Though, I think in any profession, yeah. you know, there were there, there were days when I, when I was when I was in art school and also for a while at, when I was making my living at in, in comics, I was also working as a bartender. Oh and, boy! Uh, <laughs> so and there were you know I, there were times where I had such a crummy day when I'm driving then to the uh, to the bar to work. I'm thinking I hope somebody starts a fight tonight. You know, <laughs> some things I need to work out. <laughs> Just waiting for it, like just yeah, punch yeah. me, and then I get to let loose on you, and it's gonna be great. I just put one head through a wall, I'll feel better. Yeah, <laughs> just one. You know, not through any of the drinks though, because then I gotta wear about that glass. Yeah. Just through the wall. That's fine. Yeah. And we can we can point to the wall afterwards. It'd be your head can go through there. It's already happened. But, oh. Yeah, but for the for the most part, sorry, my uh my emails keep dinging. Oh god. Um, for 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 the most part, you know, I'm working with just with great people, and I'm working with a lot of my classmates from the Kubert School, which is also pretty cool too. That's, yeah, that's yeah. pretty nice. And we kind of look out for each other. You know, I've gotten I've specifically gotten jobs through uh, my contacts through, through people that I've that I went to school with, and I was able to uh, uh, do the same. And also, I taught at the Kubert School for a few years, and I was able to get some some of my former students work, and I've worked for some of my former students. Oh, that's got to be nice. Yeah. That's got to be really fulfilling. Almost be like, oh, you're my boss now. Cool. All right. I glad that you glad you really took what I told you to heart. Yeah, it's yeah, it, and that's the thing. You know, that's something that that Joe put in us is that you know you want to you, you share the knowledge and yeah. and you uh, and you good people like to see other people uh, succeed. Absolutely. So, and you want to help people succeed when when possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody that, gets there on their own. So, you know, somebody's helped you along the way. So, you know, help somebody else out. Pass that, you know, pay that's, a, thing. that's the perfect way to end it. Rami really is. Uh, we've, we're, I mean, you and I have been talking now. It's almost been an hour, but we're almost at an hour here. I don't want to take too much more of your time, good man. But I, thank you for coming on to the show here. We'll start to wrap up here because uh, I know it's already later in the day. For, for me, it's only 11 o'clock almost. But for you, it's like two or something. Uh, along those lines, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but thank you, Rob, for coming on. This has been enlightening. Uh, it's been a great, just great time. Yeah, it was fun. I'm, I'm sorry we didn't, we didn't talk too much about lettering itself, but uh, it's oh, it's fine. Maybe another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome back anytime if you want to come on, shoot the shit or whatever. If you're in town, by the way, too, I can take you to some great nature spots uh, right. if you want to check it out. Like just wait, but I would recommend the fall, December time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not July because we're we're hitting uh, during our summer times now. It's we're hitting like 122 degrees. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in the Grand Canyon in the uh, in June, and that's been hot enough. So. Oh yeah, that's mm, no. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, is there anything upcoming that you want to promote at all? Uh, this is like the, or I give it to you, where you know you plug it wave. Yeah. Sir. So I'm. Uh, I've got my regular DC work. Um. I know we got Flash 800. I think either came out this week or is coming out uh, next week. Um, I've got a couple new projects for them, uh, Steelworks, um, Cyborg. Uh, then a few, I think we still have another issue or so of JSA that we're working on. Um, 
I'm doing, as, as I said, uh, for Union Square Comics, uh, Alterations by Ray Shu. I believe that's available now. And I'm just starting on to something called Pet Wizards by Kirk uh, Scroggs. Uh, so I'm looking forward to working on that. Um, my uh, stuff, my stuff with Pete Tomasi. Uh, we we wrapped up Blood Tree. We have some more things uh, in the pipeline with him, me, and with uh, Brad Walker. Uh, and then the stuff that I did with with Jeff Johns um, in the Geigerverse. We uh, we're pretty excited about that. We've got some some real cool projects that are going to be coming out um, before you know it. I like it. You can't say you're not working. <laughs> that is. Like, I'm, 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 I'm oh good. man. <laughs> like yeah, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm yeah. a lucky guy. You know. Well, but you it's it's earned though because you you were dedicated and you've worked hard for it though. That is also that too. Yeah, you gotta you gotta produce, but even then, um, you know, I, I, there comes a point where sometimes you can get put on a shelf. I've seen that happen, but fortunately, that uh, knock on wood has not yet happened to me. Nah. I don't see it happen anytime soon. You're on too many new things, even more so. So I think you're, I think you'll be all right. I think you got a pretty good shelf life. So yeah, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all righty, good man. Well, I'll let you go again. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. All right, Dakota. It was yeah, it was a great time, and uh, all the best to you. And I, I look forward to uh, checking out your your podcast. Thank you, man. Thank you. All righty. You have a good day, Rob. Okay. Okay. Take care. Thank you.